Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and I'm delighted to be with you wherever you're listening around the world. COVID vaccines are being rolled out across the planet. Case numbers are down. Friends in Santiago tell me things are slowly opening in Galicia. We might be cautiously moving toward our new reality. I don't often bring you updates on the situation in Spain as a rule because I try to make these podcasts as evergreen as possible. But here we are, it's the end of February, start of March, and bars and restaurants, cafes and hotels are starting to reopen in and around Santiago. Great news. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, a pilgrimage in the footsteps of St. James, one of Jesus Christ's apostles. James made his way to Spain in the wake of Christ's death, and he returned to the Holy Land shortly after and was martyred. His followers put his remains in a stone boat and sailed back to Spain to bury his body in a field. The sepulchre was discovered by a shepherd in the ninth century. Pilgrims have walked to the cathedral, now housing St. James's remains ever since. And the city of Santiago de Compostela is named after St. James under a field of stars. Walking a pilgrimage is a gentle sprinkling of water on the seed of your adventure. Your Camino really begins the day you decide you're going to go. Your planning and devotion, intention. You're part of a global family of like-minded walkers who decided to seek out how and why a pilgrimage can change lives. And it can change lives. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm delighted you've arrived. Kick off your shoes, but you might just leave them in the room out by the front door. (laughs) Come in, take a warm shower, sit here with pilgrims from all around the world. Hear their stories, their prayers, their vision, their sharing. Share too, if you feel inclined. And there is someone just like you listening in another corner of the world. But you're together as pilgrims. The American writer Carson McCullers said once, the closest thing to being cared for is to care for someone else. So true, isn't it? The closest thing to being cared for is to care for someone else. Reach out today. My guest this week is an American pilgrim. Kate Payne hosts videos for pilgrims on YouTube. They're great. They're simple. They're inspiring. They're really funny. And you can tell Kate cares. She's on the line from Florida. Welcome, pilgrim. Hi, Dan. It's so wonderful to be here with you. Look, before we go on, I did a bit of research, as I tend to do, and I saw you had an email address, Lawyer. Now, how do you balance those two themes side by side, being a, a, somebody who's, who walks around with wanderlust and a lawyer? That's a great question and one I, I do get sometimes. And, you know, as the people who have seen my videos will know, that's the name of my channel. Um, I think the inspiration, well, it's really me in a nutshell, I guess. I, I tend to defy traditions, whereas you think of lawyers as being individuals who are probably going to uh, stay in their jobs for maybe 40, 45 years and then take the time to see the world after. Uh, I was never really on that path. I was lucky enough that as a kid, my parents told me about their study abroad experiences. And growing up, the question was really not if I was going to study abroad, it was it was where. Um, and so I think that the first 
trip I took out of the United States when my sister, my older sister was studying abroad in England really opened my eyes to, wow, there is so much to see outside of the U.S. And I think that's really when my, my sense of wanderlust was born. And I think it's a, a happy marriage between the two concepts and kind of ties into the approach I take with my videos. And yeah. I've always been a very curious person, love to ask questions and get really frustrated when the questions I have kind of aren't answered. So, mm. um, I try to fill the, you know, I try to fill that void and, and find spaces where maybe other people haven't been talking about, about things. So it's a tough balance, but it's one I've been pretty successfully for the past, uh, Oh wow. I've been a lawyer for almost 10 years. That's wow. a little frightening to say, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, it's a name that gets a chuckle, but I think it gives, it's mm. a window really into my personality right from the get go. I've been looking forward to talking to you because we have similar stories in many ways. I returned from the Camino in 2016 and decided to create this podcast as a means of keeping my Camino alive, if you like. You're making, mm-hmm. these, you're making these videos. So let's go way back, if you like, and, and tell us how the Camino came into your life. So the Camino first came into my life, I guess that would have been 2008, uh, May of 2008, if I recall correctly. I was spending a year between finishing college, university in the States, and law school, um, because law school is a graduate degree here. And I took a year and I taught English. I was a, a language assistant in the city of Seville or Sevilla in the south of Spain. And a couple friends and I, we took a trip up to Galicia, in fact, and we went to La Coruña and Santiago de Compostela. We had just heard the food was great. The scenery was beautiful. And I remember meeting, um, I believe he was Canadian, older gentleman in his 70s that told us he had just finished walking 500 miles or he may have said, you know, 800 kilometers. And I couldn't believe it. It's not, it didn't compute to me that anyone, let alone, you know, somebody a little bit more advanced in age could walk that distance. I was, my mind was blown. So I did a little bit of research and then uh, just to learn more about it. But shortly thereafter, I left Spain, came to the States for law school. And then it wasn't until a good friend of mine um, did a portion of the Camino del Norte a few years later and had a, had a blog about it that my interest was repeat. And this was around the same time that the the way the movie, you know, that everybody pretty much knows about yeah, at this yeah. point, it, it was on Netflix for a period of time. And I watched it and I said, you know, that I would just absolutely love to do something like that one day. It looks hard. It sounds hard. I don't like blisters. I don't like mm. necessarily I was never really a, a roughing it in nature kind of person. Um you know, I've since learned that that's not exactly what the Camino is, but that's really where the genesis was. And I just got lucky enough that an opportunity, oh, I wanted to say an opportunity presented itself, but I actually feel like I, I made that opportunity happen to go out and, and do my walk, my Camino. Did you feel at the time you needed something extra? There was, you perhaps needed more meaning? You or was it, or was it all sure. about adventure? It was it was about adventure and timing and meaning and probably yeah. a lot of other things thrown in there. I I'm a very I'm a big planner, so I like to kind of break down my life into these shorter term increments. And so at the time, I was finishing up um, 
what we call a clerkship with a federal judge in 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 Florida, and it was a by nature a temporary period of time. And I knew that I had a wonderful opportunity lined up here in Tampa, where I am now. But I said I'm not ready to go. I had been in the big law and the big law firm world before the clerkship, and I said I'm just not ready to go dive back in there now the money, the opportunities, everything that, that can wait. I, I have things to do and, and places to see. And so I actually planned this wonderful kind of three, three and a half month adventure in Europe before I came back and, and settled it into the job I'm in now. And the, the Camino is actually the second chapter of that journey. So I think I think I told myself this may be the last chance for a while that I have the time to do something like this. So I, I, I was all in from that point. How fantastic. So you mentioned there that you're a bit of an Uber researcher. How did you do, did, did you do that research? Do, did you plan out, did you have it all laid out in front of you? I sometimes use the term spreadsheet pilgrim. Did you know where you were going to stay each night? Did you have it all planned out? So I'd say I was more of a Microsoft Word pilgrim. I didn't get <laughs> as as detailed as as the Excel spreadsheet, but I've I've learned since the Camino that I think Americans in general tend to plan something like the Camino way more in way more detail than than the people I met from other countries. Um, but I was nervous about having a place to stay. So what I did was for the first. I want to say maybe the first seven nights of the Camino, I had the places I wanted to stay planned. And then I said, by that time, you're going to feel comfortable. You're going to know the rhythm. You're going to see how busy it is. Um, So I I really didn't have many of the things planned other than I knew kind of where I wanted to try to fit in a few other rest days. Um, But I did research mostly less on the Camino itself and more on on the gear because I had lived in Spain for by that time over the years a cumulative cumulative of about two years so I speak Spanish fluently so some of those things that maybe um, can present challenges or nerves to other pilgrims beforehand I was less concerned about kind of the culture and navigating my way through Spain as I was through doing a, as I was with doing a hike, <laughs> a yeah. 500 mile long hike walk. So, right. and that's, yeah, that's how my channel was born was actually just making backpack reviews. Right. Um, I, I couldn't find any that were really balanced towards women's, women's packs. It was mostly, it was channels that you could kind of tell that they received items in exchange for reviews and just said, this backpack is great. And I said, what about the pockets? Can, can the hip pockets fit my cell phone? Can I reach my hand back around and grab my water bottle? Is, does it open like a suitcase or is it a top loading? And that was really the birth of, of my blog was the research I was trying to do into a good pack, which as we know is the fundamental, right? The most important piece of equipment probably in addition to footwear for any pilgrim, I wasn't finding the resources I wanted. So I just decided to make them. Did you walk alone? Well, yeah, this is always a funny question, right? So I did, I did set off alone. Um, that was certainly the, the goal and the intention. And I, I feel comfortable, comfortable being alone. I like being alone, but I'm also pretty outgoing and having, I speak Spanish as well as French. So having those language skills, I felt a little more comfortable being able to converse with people along the way. 
Um, but as you know, Dan, you never stay alone mm. on the Camino unless you try really, 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 really hard. Um, I guess maybe walking backwards would would do that. But I had a, a couple different Camino families that I found over the course of my 34 days, but I was often alone and I, I really liked that a lot. So let's talk about some of the subjects that you've discussed on your videos because they're kind of, I suppose I don't really do very much like, you know, talk about this, the gear that you carry or the, or the, any of those questions on this podcast. But so I kind of not only wanted to tell your story and learn about you a bit more because I think it's a really interesting story, but also I thought I'd grill you about some of your scholarship as well. Um, and the most recent, I think, is a video about what to do if I only have two weeks to walk the Camino. And that's based really on the premise that a lot of um, Americans don't get much more than that for their annual right. leave. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I um, I saw a post. So I take a lot of my inspiration for the post from the Camino face groups that Facebook groups that I'm a part of. Um, and I, I see what the questions people are asking and say, Hey, that would be a helpful subject for a video. So that, that, I mean, if in the States, you're honestly lucky if you can even take two weeks at a time. So, but I think people more and more are are pushing for that. And I think employers are tending to be more open. So I said, okay, I'm going to go back to my itinerary, dig in and try to give some options because I just think it is so important for the Camino to be accessible to everybody. And, you know, coming from somewhere where you basically have to fly upwards of, you know, seven, eight, nine hours, but also have the big time difference and people, that's why I really targeted those videos to, okay, let's assume you can't leave until Saturday and you need to be back two Sundays later. Let's mm. work within that premise. You can do it. You absolutely can do it. And, and that's why it was kind of tongue in cheek with my, my first itinerary where I said, okay, if you think this is your only chance, here's how I break it up. But I, I, you're, you're going to want to go back. I promise you. So, yeah. um, I do like to try to try to find those unique insights. And, and really my goal is bringing the Camino to more people, plain and simple, especially in the States where it is still very rare that I, I bring up, Oh yeah. The Camino de Santiago that I did. And, and somebody has heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say this, that's like the same in Australia, really. Um, yeah. I was at a function at the weekend and, and they invited me to play. And I, I sort of sat up on this stool and told stories about the Camino and they were all sitting there wide eyed. And like I was talking about some, some mystical and, and sort of weird place. And I said, it's only in Spain. It's just like, it's yeah. you can go there. So it, that's interesting. Just one aspect of that, that you just touched on Kate, why can I only take two weeks holiday? And would I be lucky if that were the case? I mean, are employers not open to giving you more than that or, or is, is that all you are entitled to each year? I don't understand. So I'd say it's a mix of several things. So we don't have any, unless maybe in certain industries, there's no guaranteed government uh, governmental vacation time provided, right? So I know in many European countries, you are entitled under the law to, let's say, four or five weeks yeah, of vacation. That's the same. And in then Australia. you generally have okay. And then you generally have discretion. Maybe you maybe you can't take it all at once, but you can build it up. 
break it up yep. into two and three week increments, something like that. We don't have those protections here in the United States. So, you know, for somebody like, and this is why I think a lot of the Americans that people do meet on the Camino tend to fall into a couple categories, right? They're maybe younger college age students who have been teaching for a year in Spain, like I did, or yep. taking a gap year. They are teachers or other, I can't think of it now, but other professions where you have, if you want time off in the summer or they are retirees. So, because for you to tell your employer, I'm thinking of a longer Camino, but even two weeks, it's tough to find an employer who will be receptive toward that because of the time it takes, I guess, to get people to cover your job. So, and I think too, in in certain professions, you know, as an attorney, there's still this fear of becoming obsolete, right? If, if I leave for two weeks and it's seen that other people can do what I do, maybe they won't need me anymore. They'll stop giving me work. So it's, it's, it's a very real mentality here and I'm, I'm doing everything I can, you know, to try to kind of push those, push those boundaries and say, all right, well, if that's the case, then maybe you can negotiate an, you know, an unpaid sabbatical with your employer. And, and if they say no, then you got to dig deep. And if this is something you dream of, then, you know, you trust that, like everyone says, the Camino will provide, right. It'll provide insight into what your next chapter is. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Oh, that's great. I really like that. You also recorded a feature about clothing on the Camino or the wardrobe. <laughs> what was the most yeah. important thing you learned in the in the, the journey of that research? Well, I think, it, I don't know that I'd say necessarily just the research that I did before, but in kind of the experiential research and, and living the Camino is mm. that you can almost do too much research because the Camino is so personal. It's, I, I, in that video, I talk about how I strayed from that path. I might be the only pilgrim in history that has added (laughs) uh, items of clothing to their wardrobe along the way, because I just, I wanted another, another shirt. And so I said, I, to me, that's not going to make a difference in the weight I'm carrying. I carried a little bit of a heavier pack I'd say anyway, and I was very comfortable doing it. But I think, you know, the, the keys of course are just to make sure you have staples for every, every different weather situation you can have Spain, even in the hottest parts of Spain in general, for an American, the sun rises later in the summer, it sets a lot later. And so you may start the day in you know, I'd say, let's say 55 degrees Fahrenheit. So I'm not sure. I think that's maybe about 10 degrees Celsius. And then by the end of the day, it's, it's jumped up <laughs> yeah. 30 degrees. And, and so you really need to be prepared from perspective of adapting to what it, to what the Camino can bring. I mean, I know stories of people who in the same day saw snowflakes in the morning and were in, you know, t-shirts in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd say, yeah, just to keep, to take the advice everyone, including myself, gives you with with a grain of salt, right? Only you know what is going to work best for you. And if you feel like you brought too much, 
send your stuff ahead to Santiago. And if you feel like you didn't bring enough, do like I did. Find a, find a sports store and get an extra shirt. And if it makes you happy, then, you know what, it's your coming on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's really important too. You do what you think you ought to. Uh, and what about wet weather gear? Did you find the best wet weather gear? I, I took a poncho. It was a disaster, really. Because <laughs> as soon as it got a little bit windy, it just blew straight up right. all the time. And I just got drenched. Um, so right. what did you find? Because if I'm going to wear a, if I'm going to carry, you know, wet weather pants and a, and a, and a jacket, that's going to be big and bulky, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I don't have the most, I guess, insight into what you do in terms of a spring Camino. I think in Spain, especially the March, April, May, you're probably looking at some wetter weather. I was prepared to, comfortably deal with what I was hoping would be only a few days of rain. And I got exceptionally lucky. I only ever walked in one day of real rain and that wow. was going into, into Leon. Uh-huh. Um, there were some rainy nights, but I was prepared with, I had a, you know, a, a rain a extremely lightweight raincoat from, I don't know if you have REI in Australia. It's a, it's a sporting goods store here in the States. They have like the most generous return policy ever. People who talk about doing the Camino always recommend going there because they let you try products, use products, and you can basically return them if they don't work out for you. So, um, that's a really great place here in the States. It's a great resource. And then I took So I walked mostly in a pair of New Balance trail runners, but I also brought a pair of keen closed toed, uh, sandals. Right. And so what I did that rainy day, and, and actually one of my bigger splurges from a weight perspective, in addition to the sandals was a pair of waterproof socks. Right. <laughs> This was something I convinced myself was going to be a great idea. And I guess it was for the one day I needed them. <laughs> uh, that, that walk into Leon, there was an enormous puddle and a dip in the road. And I'm talking up to like mid cab. Oh, okay. And everyone else, yeah, everyone else got their footwear absolutely drenched. And I walked through in my waterproof socks and my sandals and then was able to take them off, the socks off afterward and had completely dry feet. So was it worth carrying around the extra maybe, you know, six ounces? I'm not sure. But that was kind of the the entirety of my preparation for wet weather as, as well as a, a pack cover. So that's why I didn't go for the poncho. I said, I'll do a, a windbreaker, a rain jacket, and then a, a separate pack cover. Yeah, right. So one of the videos is about the best time of the year to walk the Camino. When would you, would you suggest, as a result of what you, you learned, when's the best time to walk the Camino? Yeah. So I think this is, and I always try to say in my video that my, my videos, that my advice is pretty specific to when I walked the route I walked, this may change depending where you're walking, but at least for the Camino Frances, I think I picked the absolute best time to go. I started walking in late June. So I'd say anywhere from maybe early to mid June, um, into early early July to start walking. And, and the reason I think that's a great time to walk is because you still have the tail end of the wildflower season. Mm. So where you get those really stunning vistas mm. where you have the red poppies and then, you know, but you, but you also are starting to have some of the, the gold from the wheat and some of the sunflowers are starting to show up. So, but, but you don't usually deal with as much 
rain. Mm. And of course you can get warm days, but like I mentioned, I mean, in the North, um, I got really lucky. It stayed pretty cool and wasn't rainy, but I found it, I found myself better equipped to prepare with warmer days, especially because you can leave early before the sun comes up and Spain, like I said, stays pretty cool until really I'd say maybe more toward 10 a.m. when the sun is getting high in the air. I felt myself better equipped to deal with that from, you know, living in in Florida in one of the hottest states in, in America than I did for dealing with constant rain or constant cold. So, you know, that's, that's my perspective. I've heard a lovely time to walk is also the fall. Spain weather in September and October tends to be gorgeous as well. I just, I would have missed kind of the greenery and, and the, the beautiful flowers. That's one thing I feel like maybe is tougher to get when you go into the fall. Yeah, the flowers are beautiful, really gorgeous. Yeah, it's a lovely aspect of the journey that you perhaps don't even know is coming and it's a lovely surprise when it is isn't it turn a corner and there are sunflowers there or or the beautiful flowers even by the road i can't remember what they're called but they make a a liquor a local uh drink out of it uh out of the flowers by the road which are lovely too um there's a video about what an average day looks like i I actually loved it (laughs) what the average (laughs) day was like me too it's so great isn't it because it's really pretty simple you know exactly what to expect it's pretty spot on. So it doesn't vary very much. Why don't you tell us what, if there's somebody listening today and wondering what an average day looks like, why don't you tell us what you found? Sure. Yeah. And I think this was one of the reasons I was so attracted to the Camino. It's really the only time in my life I was ever going to be able to just carry what I needed, except for maybe food and a, and a place to sleep on my back and have this simplistic life. That's what I was craving. And I found that to be true. Mm. So in general, you know, I wouldn't say I was one of the earliest risers. Um, I would probably get up anywhere between 6 and 7 a.m., depending on the day. You certainly have people that are up before then, and in general, there are a few people who are maybe up a little bit later. You pack your bag, hopefully as as quietly as you can, so as not to disturb your fellow um, pilgrims, assuming you're in shared accommodations, and you perhaps grab some breakfast where you're staying. Sometimes it's um, provided and donation only. Sometimes there's a cost to it. Sometimes there's nothing provided. Um, so that's what we like to call breakfast one on the Camino. Mm. Usually the, the famous cafe con leche, which is a, a shot of espresso and some, uh, warmed milk in general, kind of like, I guess, a, a stronger mini latte. Yeah. And then either maybe, um, a slice of tortilla de patatas, tortilla española, which is basically like a frittata, if you will, eggs and, and potatoes and can have a few other goodies in it. Or if you're more of a, a sweet tooth, you can go the the Napolitana route, which is kind of like a croissant with chocolate and milk. Oh. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and you get walking and you just enjoy those, those morning hours where the, the sun's coming up and you hear all the birds and you can just really be one with nature. Um, and then I'd say, yeah, a couple hours in, you probably stop to use the restroom somewhere. I always encourage people to buy something where you're stopping to use the restroom, right? Let's support the infrastructure of this, this wonderful gift. And so you stop, even if it's a bottle of water, stop and use a restroom, grab something else to eat and drink, uh, and then continue on. And maybe your day ends around lunchtime when you, when you pull into where your stop is for that day. 
um, your walking day finishes at that point and you you grab a bed and you what I would do is I, I like to shower right away so I would bring my you know get my shower done wash my clothes you're hand washing your clothes in general mm-hmm. some places have a washing machine and dryer mm. I only did that one time that day in, in Leon where it was pouring but yeah there's something right so so interesting about going back to the basics of hand washing yeah. the day's dirt out of your clothes. I, I, it was like a moment that I simultaneously dreaded and, and loved, um, getting, you know, getting the clothes clean and up to dry. And then after that, it's really free time. It's it, for me, the Camino was almost more of a morning activity, right? In general, I tended to finish by, let's say between noon and two, sometimes a little later, but then you have the afternoon, you can get lunch, you can explore the town you're in. Maybe there's a beautiful church or there are museums, or you just want to sit at an outdoor cafe and people watch. Spain has a great outdoor cafe culture. Um, And then sometimes there would be a communal dinner. Let's say it'd be anywhere from between six and seven or seven thirty in Spain, they tend to eat dinner later. But on the Camino, you know, as people are trying to go to bed earlier, yeah. they keep it a they keep the dinner and more American, I'd say, hours. And uh, you know, then you you hang out, you talk to your fellow pilgrims, and and you you hit the hay and get ready for for the next day. It's it's a it, there's so much beauty in the simplicity and I'd say the routine of each day. Yeah, it doesn't change too much. And that's one of the great things about it. Um, Because you do find yourself, once you settle into a routine, you know what to expect. And so there are no surprises, really. And like you say, you can just enjoy the relaxation that provides. You talk in one of the videos, Kate, about the eight or nine things you may find you need. Just give us one. What's something I may find I need on the Camino? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I... I I am thinking of this now because mosquito season is starting again in Florida. I, I had no recollection from at least when, when I lived in Spain of the mosquitoes being a problem and I got eaten alive. I'd say in the first week, I remember it was, um, it was after Pamplona and it, it was, we were sitting outside. I think I was there during the world cup. And so we were sitting outside watching the game at, at the albergue where I was staying. And I, I just got eaten alive. So I would say I would definitely recommend, um, bringing or picking up a little thing of bug spray or some, you know, some, whatever you prefer to use there. So that would be my one off the, you know, off the cuff recommendation. How do you describe the overall Camino experience when people ask you about it? Well, sometimes they regret asking me because I never stop. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think my whole demeanor changes when when some when it gets brought up. But I describe it as um, intensely personal and with the opportunity to be life-changing. And I, I think it's important to put that in there because I did meet a few pilgrims that I think felt this pressure for it to be something because everybody was saying, you know, especially the the, the pilgrims who had already walked previously and said, mm. this will change your life. It's going to be the best thing you ever do. You will want to come back. And there were a few people that it just – at least when I met them kind of in the middle of the Camino, they weren't feeling that connection. They weren't sure if they were going to stay. There was actually one, one woman I had, I had to help up 
<laughs> off the ground. She was just sitting on the side and um, I just sat down next to her and we got to chatting and I said, you know, I'm actually having a tough day. I was, I was having a tough day. I said, I'm having a tough day. Can you do me a big favor and just walk with me to the next town? Then, okay, this is going okay, right? Can, can you just walk with me to the next town? And so I think, you know, just remembering that it's, it's a really personal experience and it can be whatever it is you want it to be. And if at the end of the day you turn around and say, you know, that was a really cool hike through nature and, and that's where your story ends, that's great too. Um, but I think in general, the clarity, right, comes toward the end or after. I, I remember those days in the middle. I said, well, yeah, this is really cool, but why would I ever do this again? I've already seen these sites. And then as I was finishing, I said, oh man, when do I get to go back? I would totally yeah. go back. And yeah. and so I think, I think I tend to get just a lot of questions too, kind of about the logistics, just, you know, being from a place where people haven't really heard of it. And how did you, how did you do that? How'd you find the time? Was it expensive? Um, so I just try to be there and answer their questions and, and maintain, you know, maintain myself as a resource for them. And that's one of the reasons I created the channels. I want people to always be able to reach out yeah. with whatever questions they have. Yeah. Yeah. But hearing you tell that story about the lady that you met, that you helped up and walked alongside it, it rings perfectly true with the quote I, from American writer Carson McCullers at the start of the interview, where I said, the closest thing to being cared for is to care for someone else. So true, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You'd be that Camino angel. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just such a fabulous thing to do. You feel so great. Uh, and then you go home, which is always a difficult thing to do to kind of, uh, to, to resettle and to try to, to try to, to get on with life back home. How does the Camino, Kate, surface in everyday life for you now? You're back home. You know, I'd say I've seen a, a big change in kind of how I roll with the punches. Um, I think in general, you know, if you decide to put yourself into the rigors of law school and dedicate yourself to a profession like the law, you tend to be really detail oriented and you understand deadlines and mm. everything yeah. is, everything kind of feels like a big deal. And it takes some time and clarity to really parse out this is something that is a big deal. This is not. And I think walking the Camino helped me find that clarity a lot sooner in my life than I would have otherwise. And I think what's so great is there's always, whenever I'm having those tough moments, um, I always say to myself, you know what, if it ever, if it's ever too tough, the Camino is always waiting. You know, and I know it's been really tough for people these past this past year and that that's what they had set their sights on and, and their dreams there have been delayed. And so it's a little tougher. But I think even if the dream is delayed, the Camino is is always there waiting. Mm -hmm. And it's I mean, the Camino does nothing but give. Right. I mean, we we try to give back, but the Camino is there to, to give to all of us really what we need at that time. So I think, yeah, just bringing me, bringing me perspective, but also helping me see the the impact that I could have without even realizing it. I, I suppose, um, sometimes we think like the, the big things we do are the most important. And I, I recall several times throughout the journey receiving, Facebook messages from people I hadn't seen in maybe decades had 
perhaps only talked to a few times. And they said, you know, this is a time, this is a time where American politics were hard for a lot of people. And they said, the world is a dumpster fire. And literally your, your daily, your updates, your posts, your pictures are the only thing I look forward to. I thank you so much. And I, I just, I had never heard of this. I want to do this so, so badly. And I, you know, I admire you and I, I had no idea. I was posting the pictures of mostly for my family, right? So they knew I was yeah. still alive and well. And um, just to see that I could help the Camino touch people, even that couldn't be there, was eye-opening. Yeah. How lovely. So you're, you're a lawyer uh, in Florida. Are you able to care more for people because of your pilgrim experience, do you think? I, I never thought about it that way. I, I hope the answer is yes. Mm. I do feel that I bring a pretty different perspective into my day-to-day relationships. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting dynamic, the, the law firm world. You have associates and, and and the partners, right? And so typically there's this respect and deference that associates show the partners, but I've been lucky to work with a couple of partners in particular that really have allowed this collegial dynamic to develop. And I think have allowed a space for me to speak up about things that maybe I don't agree with, or maybe I have a different perspective about. Um, and I find that the Camino is, is part of that. I think speaking other languages and having lived in other countries and really having my eyes open to the world um, helps. I, I'm also, so my wife is from France. I'm, I'm LGBT. So, and one of my videos I'm, on the channel talks about yeah. the LGBT experience. That was mm. not something I had ever seen um, a video about. And I'd seen someone post about it in the Camigas group, which is for women walking the Camino. Um, and I said, you know, I think this would be a great thing to write a video about. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think kind of bringing, bringing my experience on the Camino together with some of those other things about me has, I hope helped me bring a lighter, more compassionate touch to what can be a, a pretty intense profession. Yeah. Fantastic. I think, well, certainly my experience, the vast, vast majority of pilgrims were welcoming of just about everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. And luckily that was my experience too. I mean, I wouldn't say that, I mean, I didn't walk at, it was funny at the the time I I was single, although I did actually, my wife is a big part of my Camino story, but I, so it wasn't like I was walking with a partner. Um, and there really wasn't a lot of LGBT visibility. I maybe recall meeting one, um, one same sex couple, my first night at Oison and that may have been it. So I think, in my opinion, I think diversity is one thing that is at least visibly lacking a little on the Camino, whether that's, um, you know, racial diversity, LGBT, LGBT diversity, if you will. But um, I found really just about every single person to be extremely accepting. And yeah. I think that's part of the Camino is you, you, somebody you just met 20 minutes ago walking you may be in the one of the deepest conversations of your life yeah. as you're descending from the you know the iron cross because you were both so moved by what just happened. So I think the Camino is one of the best places for that because of how 
even people who may not have started off open-minded, I think by the time they get really into it, they're already changing too. Yeah, yeah. So what's one word you'd use to describe your Camino? You know, I'd say, I'd say destiny, right? I think it was, it was absolutely part of the story of my life. I, I wouldn't have met my wife without it. I wouldn't be the person who feels really just happy with where she is in life right now if, if I hadn't done that. Do you think it's for everyone, the Camino? I think it's for everyone to give a strong consideration to, um, even if, you know, because even if let, let's take the example of, let's pick a, a, a stereotype of, um, maybe someone who'd be classified as high maintenance, who travel, who doesn't travel anywhere without a blow dryer and high heels. Oh, and the sure. like. Yeah. Even that person can go try the Camino if they're, if they're willing to walk, right. They can, if they want, they can send, they can have an entire suitcase. They can send it ahead every day. It can be waiting for them when they arrive. If they want to stay at a private hotel, even that person, if they're willing to add some, you know, some walking into that, into that routine, that can change that person too. And then maybe the, maybe they start to realize I don't need any of this stuff. I mean, yeah. the, the stories are out there about how many people, how many people sent things home and, yeah. and, and really got their perspective changed. So yeah, I don't think I'm willing to say that there's somebody that Camino is not for. And I think if anything, we know certainly physical limitations are no match for the Camino. We've been all inspired by the stories of, you know, individuals who've who are in in wheelchairs who have been pushed and pulled and carried. Yeah. I know there was there was one of those stories when I was walking as well in 2018. So, yeah, I think the Camino really is for everybody who's who's willing to give it a chance. What did you learn about yourself then on the Camino? I, I mean, I think tied to that, I learned that I really need so much less than mm. I thought. You know, yeah. I... Never in my life would I have imagined just having everything I need on my back. And, and I guess the other thing, too, would just be resilience, um, like mental mental toughness and resilience. Uh, there was – I really only had one breakdown on the Camino, and it was due to mostly bad blisters, but a few other things. And I remember having a moment that said – you know, I said – if the two weeks that I have left are all going to feel like this, I cannot do this. I, I just yeah. cannot do this. Mm. And I, I recall that day. That was an interesting day. So there's a, there's a really famous bar in the Meseta called Bar Elvis, right? It's a blue building with yeah. like lots of different Relangos. graffiti and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was closed when we got there. It was, I think they had a big party there the night before it was, but it was like 10 or 10 30 AM. And so I kind of knocked and the owner uh, came to the door. He said, Oh, I'm sorry. We had a big party, but I, I don't, you came to my bar cause you heard about it. What do you need? And I think he saw, he could tell that I was having a horrible, horrible morning. So with my cafe con leche, he literally just brought out a bottle of whiskey and said, 
as much as you need. <laughs> this is on the house. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> and, and it was like, you know, that has to, that has to come from just years of, um, interacting with pilgrims, but yeah. kind of, you know, and I, I will admit I did add a little bit of whiskey to my coffee and I got back on the, on the road and my, you know, my mental toughness was there. Um, I was able to finish out the day. I shortly thereafter took a rest day, let my blisters heal up. And, you know, as I say, the rest was gravy, but I was, I was proud of myself because blisters were, I remember the one thing that made me think 10 years ago, I will never do the Camino de Santiago. So. Yeah. I think that's a great story. Um, that, that fellow, uh, has, a. a uh, quite a reputation, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got a story about that guy. Um, <laughs> I, I noticed that um, in your social media, you're very, um, I wouldn't say outspoken, but you, you, you're concerned about politics and, and you like to follow it. Do you think, Kate, the world would be a better place if more people walked Caminos? Absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely do because mm-hmm. I think, one of my issues, I think, with with the United States is just the number of people who never who never leave, maybe even the state where they grew up. Yeah. So who never get out and see what it's like in other parts of the world and what it could mean to be a global citizen. So you know, I, I can't speak. I've learned a lot more about French culture, obviously, since my relationship and I have lived in Spain. So I think I have some good insight there, but I really try to only speak to, to my country and what I know. But yeah, if I could, I, man, now you're giving me an idea. If I ever make millions, maybe I will start some type of, of uh, a program where I find people who have never traveled, have never thought about traveling. And I, I send them on the Camino. Um, Great idea. But I, I absolutely, <laughs> that would be wonderful. Um, but yes, I absolutely do think the world would be an infinitely better place if mm. people could even just take a few days. I think yeah. all you need is a few days. Sometimes even if you stay at Horizon at the beginning of your Camino, all you need is one night, right. To, to feel inspired and change. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a problem with, with politics is you have a lot of people who look alike and have had similar backgrounds and have been raised similarly that we only kind of hear one or two voices. And I do, I am, I'm really inspired by the positive change I'm seeing. And I, I just hope it, it doesn't stop there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what makes you happiest when you think about your pilgrimage? I have a big smile on my face right now, just even thinking <laughs> about it in general. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I just think the fact that, that I, that I did it first of all, that yeah. I, that I made the goal for myself and I, I made it happen, you know, when there were times that I wanted to say, ah, I'm in Europe. I, could be in Greece or it's somewhere on a beach and I'm going to go be dirty and sweaty and um, sleep yeah. in a room with a bunch of snoring people. <laughs> Why would I choose this? But yeah. you no, know, I think what makes me happiest 
kind of building off what we were just talking about is I do feel like I got a chance, I hope, to be a good ambassador for the United States because I feel like in general, um, I, I'm not, I don't tend to be met by positive views of the U.S. And I can totally understand where that's coming from. And so what I try to do is just to be the best ambassador I can for or I hope some of some of the good that we have, you know, and trying to that's why learning languages is so important for me. Right. So I I'm hoping to do one of the Portuguese Caminos at some point. Um, I'm I'm trying to learn Portuguese. I, I think it's so important to be able to meet people where they are instead yeah, of constantly yeah. asking. Right. Asking them to come to into our language, into our world. And so I think I hope, you know, I hope I was able to to do right and serve as the ambassador that, that I was, was aiming for. So that always, that makes me smile That's um, great. to think about, to think about that. All right. Well, take us back to Spain. Tell us a Camino story. Hmm. I have so many actually. And I just posted a new video. So you wouldn't have seen it. Cause I literally just posted it maybe an hour before our conversation. And okay. I, I just taught myself how to put pictures into a video. So I'm excited <laughs> for this new chapter of my, te- where I That's become great. technologically savvy, but I have kind of a different story. I feel like people tend to, to like to go with the heartwarming stories. And I, I feel like I've given a few of those, but you know, for me, the Camino as wonderful and magical as it is, it's also a slice of life. Right. And so we, there's, there's always going to be some of these stories where um, it's not all, roses at the beginning and then you kind of see the bigger picture later but i this was the story that i feel like most people that were following me during my camino would ask me about or have feelings about so um i had i had had the story i talked about on my channel tonight was i'd had a really tough day from burgos to ontanas i got lost on the camino Uh and took a wrong way and everything so by the time i got to ontanas i was about a, a kilometer or two out and i was so tired of walking. I just started running. I just, I literally ran between a kilometer and two with my pack, wearing my keen sandals and got to the first albergue I could. Well, during that time, I didn't realize it, but I had my sunglasses clipped to my pack and they must've fallen off. And a couple days later on a stop, I was in a pretty small albergue, a donativo. And there was a couldn't be nicer um, couple of Italian friends. I said, oh, we're, we want to make dinner for everyone. You're invited. I said, oh, how much can I can I pitch in or what can I do to help? No, no, this is on us. We just really want to help. So it was four of us. So it was the Italian couple, myself, and a man from Quebecois, from Quebec, a Quebecois. And I was excited because I could practice some French and and everything. And I don't know, something about him was a little off-putting, but I said, okay, it's, you know, it's, it's no big deal. And so then the flash forward two days later, the day I told you about where I had my meltdown in the morning because of blisters. And I had just left the cafe Elvis and I saw this gentleman and, a, and another American woman outside another cafe. And they said, Hey, why don't you sit down with us? 
for a little bit. And I had noticed my sunglasses were missing and I thought I just lost them. And so I said, okay, they're somewhere in the Camino. Maybe they'll pop up because that's how the Camino works, right? When somebody loses something, there's always posts in the Facebook group. I did that when I found a baseball hat on the Camino. Did anyone lose this? So I'm sitting there, I look over and my sunglasses had a, they're a distinctive, but brand, but not like Ray-Ban or anything. It's a, it's a brand that nobody really, I've never really seen anybody else have. And I said, Hey, Hey, can I ask where you found those sunglasses? And the gentleman said, Oh yeah, I found them on the side of the path uh, before Antanas. And I was so excited. I was like, Oh, he found my sunglasses. This is so great. So Oh, those are mine. I lost those a few days ago. I've been looking for them everywhere. I'm so happy you found them. He said, oh, yeah, but I already gave my sunglasses to a Donativo, so I'm going to be keeping these. <laughs> and then I said, well, what? you know, one of those moments where you have no idea what to say. And so I had this I had this moment where I said, OK, you can either make this really uncomfortable or you can you can laugh it off. Right. Because that's what this the Camino is supposed to is bringing you is, is lightness. And so I said, okay, here's the deal. If I see you in Santiago, then I'm going to ask for my sunglasses back. But since you gave yours, you know, to the Donativo before, I'm okay with you keeping them. And so we took a picture together and he's of course pointing at the sunglasses in the picture. And the moral of the story is, did I see him again? Which is always everyone's question. I did not see him again. Oh. I never got my sunglasses back. <laughs> However, However, basically, for the price of my sunglasses, you know, I got to have a fun story out of it. I got to, you know, be lighthearted about it. And frankly, I got to kind of maybe relieve myself of one of the one of the souls on the community that may have been there for different reasons than the rest of us. So that's just my funny little story about how, you know, even during the best moments, you got to remember there's a mix of people there and it's not always going to be. You you have to take the thorns with the rose, right? <laughs> That's a thorn, all right. Gosh. <laughs> so if you're out there, man from Keb- <laughs> from Quebec, I won't say your name, but if you are listening, I do still miss my sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, I'd love to get them back. I'd love to get them I back. Know. That'd it's be all fantastic. Right. It's all good. <laughs> Listen, Kate, it's so wonderful to talk to you. You are a brilliant communicator. Congratulations on the videos and. My listeners can find you on YouTube and subscribe to Wonderlusting Lawyer. Kate, thank you so much, and I hope our paths cross one day, perhaps even on, on the Camino. Hopefully it will be on the Camino. Thanks for your scholarship and your caring for others. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. My guest this week was Kate Payne, an American pilgrim based in Florida. Remember the American writer Carson McCullers said once, the closest thing to being cared for is to care for someone else. Pretty good advice, I'd have thought. May extend to giving you sunglasses back. That's it for this week. If you're inclined to sponsor me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. Get in touch via danmullinsmusic.com. And don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast. Just go to the podcast icon on your phone, search for My Camino, the podcast, and hit subscribe. Thank you for your company as always. It's so great to be part of your life. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere. 